absolutely love this song. So if, if you haven't heard this before, this is uh, Elevation Worship and Maverick City got together and released a new album by that name. The, the name of the album is Old Church Basement. I love it. They have the old projector like on the front of the album. And when they released the album, they actually dropped like individual songs for four weeks before the whole album came out. Um, and this was like the second one they did. And, and I'm one of the, I'm funny on worship albums. When they come out, I don't always like love them to begin with. Uh, it takes me about a year to learn the words, if I'm being honest. <laughs> and once I learn the words, then I can kind of really start worshiping through them. And then I really start to love them. This was not the case with this album. This one like wrecked me from go. The first song they released was a song called Gyra. It was incredible. It just warmed my heart. But then this song comes out and it just takes me back. When he's singing about this old church basement, and, and it took me back to, to being in youth group. And, and I don't know about you guys, and I kind of want to just go a little nostalgic with you this morning, because that's what this song does to me. It, it just takes me back to my childhood. It takes me back to when I was a kid. I was, I was a child of the 80s, so born in 1980. I don't know, some of you guys got me beat on that, and some of you guys, not even close. Um, but if you grew up in the 80s or were young in the 80s, I mean, let's, let's just kind of take a flash down memory road to start out. Like, I can remember going, we would go over to my grandparents' house who uh, lived over in the Roebuck area, lived off Five Mile Road. My brothers and I would all go over there. We would go play. We would hang out. And we called our granddad Bobo to begin with. So it was Granny and Bobo. And then we got older and cooler, so we shortened it to Bo. Um, and I don't know where Bobo came from. I was the oldest, and apparently I came up with that, and I was bad at English. Uh, so I just came out with syllables like that, because I've got a Mimi, and i got a Bobo, and i got it. Like, apparently it was just redundant syllables worked for me. But, but Bo would always take us, when we would go over to their house, there was this little hole-in-the-wall gas station around the corner. He would load us up in his old Dodge pickup truck and take us over there, and we would get popsicles at the end of the day. And I can remember distinctly getting the bomb pops. Y'all remember those? Come on, somebody. Yeah, the red, the white, and the blue, the bomb pops. are like that big around in diameter and you had it like from ear to ear as a kid and it was down your shirt and everything and we would get those and we would have those moments and I hear this song talking about that back in the day and what we were doing I can remember going over to my other grandparents house this is on the Mimi side of things going back with my syllables they lived in Centerpoint if you grew up in that area off Carson Road behind the old Spur gas station back up in that area and they had a pool uh, they actually it was so funny story my grandparents lived in the house and then my mom and I moved in behind them so this house was in our family forever but it was the old school pool, not like the cool modern pools that are really nice and lined and all that other good stuff. Nay, nay. This was an old hole in the ground with concrete poured in it, and we called it a pool. Concrete bottom, you stubbed your toe on the bottom of this pool, you bled. And it was happening. But what was cool about this pool is around the edge and on the outside of it, they had, we had these tiles all the way around, it, and they were nice and decorative and pretty, and none of them stayed longer than like 20 minutes. So we would glue those tiles back on, the tiles would pop off, fall to the bottom of the pool, and guess who got to go get them off the bottom of the pool? Yours truly. I was a good swimmer. So I spent, I don't know how many summers as a kid, diving to the bottom. By the way, this pool was not dug properly. So what was supposed to be like a 10-foot bottom was like 12. I'd swim down to the bottom of this pool, bring these tiles up, get them off. We'd glue them back on. Rinse, repeat, go from there. Child of the 80s. We went outside. We played. There was no devices distracting us. On road trips, we literally told Maddie yesterday going to the lake. Like, I would stare out the window on road trips and pretend I was in a go-kart dodging the obstacles, like the signs and stuff, and just making up things to do. And I used my mind in this, this child behavior. But then I got to be a teenager in the 90s. Come on, all my 90s people out there. We all grew, you know, the, the, the prime of my life-ish. You know, or at least my adolescence going through, being a teenager in the 90s. And 90s were great for a lot of reasons. Number one, we had that wonderful fashion. You know, we all looked so stylish, which which was terrible. I actually have a yearbook picture from like circa 1992, and I'm wearing like a floral print silk shirt. And it's unbuttoned like down to here. And my hair was like really long and brushed over. And I, and I was trying to pull out, like I needed the brick foam, and I would have had the Zach Morris nailed. 
from Saved by the Bell. But the, but the 90s were a lot of fun because that was when we were all outside. My, my, my middle brother and I, my youngest brother's here this morning. I'm going to point him out. He's right there because I'm going to talk about him in a minute. Um, but we would get up, my middle brother and I, we were, we were older. We're, we're, we're stepbrothers. We're four months apart. Justin's about three, uh, three and a half years younger than us. We would get up and like, we would just go ride our bikes. Anybody else do this? Like we would literally get up at eight o'clock in the morning, pack a sandwich because we didn't come back for lunch. Hold on to that point. You know, all you young ones in there, like we would literally get up, get on our bikes, pack a sandwich, like a bottle of water. Um, and we would just go. Anybody know what time we had to be home? Anybody want to guess? Dark. That's right. Dark. We came home at dark. We were going from 8 a.m. to dark. Nobody checked on us. I didn't have a phone. There was no way to get in touch with our parents. We just went. And we played and we had fun and we did really, really stupid stuff oftentimes. We had a tree house out in the woods that was like three stories that we made as like 12 years old, 12 year olds. It was not architecturally sound by any straight stretch. It's amazing we all can still walk. But it was like, like but you had the, the main floor where we would all climb up to. And for some odd reason, we put a pipe on like a pulley system that was like a mailbox for us, which was really stupid because we were already in the treehouse. So somebody who wanted to put something in the pipe had to get down out of the treehouse and then put it in the pipe and then we'd pull it up. But we thought it was neat. And then we had like a second level because that was safe going higher in the tree. And then we had the crow's nest where you could go to the really top where the tree was blowing like this. And these kids are just dangling out. There was no parents out there with us. We were just figuring it out and coming up with stuff. One of my personal favorite stories, I don't know if Justin ever even remembers this, is we were out one day and we found this like, I don't know if it was a manhole. It was a manhole, but I don't know if it was a sewer or a drainage pipe. It was one of those with like the concrete that comes up a little bit out of the ground and the manhole's in the top of it, but the manhole was gone. (gasps) And it was fantastic. So we wanted to know what was in the bottom of it. So Daniel and I kind of started looking around. It had that built-in ladder in it where you can climb down, the little iron ladder and you can climb down. And we kind of went a little bit, and then we realized the ladder stopped at a certain point. And we realized we were bigger than Justin, so, you know, we were bigger. We threw him in the bottom. And so we got Justin shimmy down there, jumped down there, like, tell us how deep it is. And then he realized he couldn't get back out because he couldn't reach the rung of the ladder once he jumped to the bottom. He was stuck in the sewers, kind of like Joseph. Uh, We literally threw our brother in the well. So in our infinite wisdom, we go home and we're like, hey, we got to like get him out. Like at at dark, we're all going to be home eating dinner. (laughs) And this is going to go really bad at dark if we come home one shot. Like, you know, they're going to get, they're they're upset about skint knees, like missing a whole brother's a bad night. So we come back, but we didn't want to, of course, tell our parents that we had thrown our brother into a well. So we came back and somehow we managed to get our dad's ladder, sneak it away from the house, carry it all the way back through the neighborhood into the woods, find said drainage pipe, shimmy down the pipe with said ladder, set the ladder in so he can climb out. I don't know how we got ladder him and all three of us back out of that, got the ladder back to the house and literally got, came in, ate dinner and everybody's like, what did you do today? We're like, nothing. <laughs> we sat around and read to each other and had a Bible study. That was the 90s. You did stuff. You went outside. I, I miss that so bad for my kids. Yes, different world today. I'm not negating that. But you figured stuff out. Like you figured out how to get into a jam and get out of a jam. And you, and you figured things out like that. And then I hear this song and it, it just takes me back. And then I remember in the 90s, I was going to church. We went to an old Methodist church over the center point area and went on a, I think it was a Sunday morning one time. And we're all hanging out and we're doing our things. And I am minding my own business. And at this point, this is probably like... I don't know, mid-90s, give or take. I'm in that era of cool, and all I want to be is cool, and I want to be popular, and all the kids at this church, we're not. 
So I was just going because my parents drug me there. And so we're there. And then, then all of a sudden I got this onslaught as soon as the service was over of kids coming up to me going, Hey man, you want to go with us tonight? We're doing a youth thing tonight. Hey man, you want to go with us tonight? And I realized later this was obviously a plan. They saw somebody new and they lined up by the thirties and came and asked me to go. What I didn't realize in the moment was like I was being overwhelmed and kind of coming through it. I had no interest in going. Didn't want to go, but like A, to shut them up, I was going to tell them yes. And B, I realized what they were doing. They were having a swim party and there were cute girls there. And I'm not saying my intentions were pure at all or good or anything like that. They were cute girls. I was a teenager. So, hey, let's go to the swim party. So I came back that night in my bathing suit, all fired up, ready to go to the swim party. And it poured down rain, like poured down rain. Like I'm talking like stupid rain, like we didn't even leave the church. So instead of going to that old church basement, come on, somebody, y'all remember this. We went to that old church gym. And we go in that old church gym that smells like mothballs, and it's been around for a while. And then we started playing them good old 90s church games. We turned off all the lights, and we played hide-and-go-seat in the dark. You know, I think it was called Creep or something like that. And you, and, and, you, and you hid together and did things like that. And then somebody, like the guy says in the song, he breaks out his old acoustic guitar, and he can't play four notes, and he's out of tune on the guitar. But he's singing those songs back in the 90s, those really cutting-edge ones, like, Lord, I lift your name on high. I wish Jonathan was up here for this part. And all, and all these other, like, bleeding-edge praise choruses, what we called them back in the 90s, you know. Y'all remember the one, Ain't No Rock Gonna Cry In My, or Sing In My Place. You know, we had all these go, and they start doing this. And I'm sitting there going, I am never coming back. Oh, my gosh. These guys are the biggest bunch of dorks. Like, what is happening right now? And I am at DEFCON 5. Like, nope, not happening. So we leave. My parents are like, how was it? I was like, terrible. I was locked in a sweaty gym with a bunch of weirdos. Um, and so we do the sweaty gym weirdo thing and I came back the next week because they attacked me again the next Sunday and I kept coming back and, and, and God used that moment and he used that. So then I fast forward and I remember again, going back to this song, I love the chorus. Oh, the joy of my salvation coming back to me late nineties. I'm sitting in, it wasn't an old church basement, but I'm sitting in an old church Sunday school room. Y'all remember, come on now, Sunday school, flannel grounds, all that good stuff sitting around the table. You meet in the morning. Well, this is one of them old rooms that hadn't been painted since like 1972, and we're doing, that was our youth room. There's about 25 in it, in there. And there, and, and our youth pastor played the old Jesus movie. Anybody remember the original, like, Jesus movie that came out? And he played it for all you young ones on a VHS, which is this rectangular shaped box with a reel of tape in it that you put into this big machine and it plays a movie like you do on your phone today. And hey, here's a cool part. You have a rewind button. And if you rented one ever, if y'all, y'all keep going with me, older people, you had to actually please be kind and rewind. Y'all remember that, right? Come on. So he plays the Jesus movie, and he plays the crucifixion scene of the Jesus movie. And when he does it, though, he kills the audio, and he plays Third Day, which is still one of my favorite rock, uh, Christian rock bands of all time. He plays Third Days just to be with you. And that song was actually written from the point of view of Christ singing to us, literally saying, just to be with you, I would do anything. I would give my life away. And the youth pastor said, hey, we're going to play this. We want everybody just to leave. You got to go? Go. Leave, but be quiet. We want to let it be a time of prayer. And I sat in that Sunday school room, and I heard those words, and I saw that image, and I gave my life to Christ that night. And I'll never forget that night. That joy, just like that song said, that joy of my salvation coming back to me. I felt free. I felt hope. I didn't know my right hand from my left hand spiritually, but I felt like God was doing something in my life. And I felt like God was calling me to something. You fast forward down the road and and, and I got a chance to preach. And we even started like a youth drama ministry. Uh, I I love doing drama. Again, going back to the 90s, some of y'all younger ones, I know I'm blowing your mind. But we did these things called human videos, which today we would be laughed right out of the building. We started one called the Unified Team. Gabriel was in one called Master's Commission, which they were the cool kids. Uh, we just wanted to be Master's Commission. We tried really hard. But we would turn on songs like Testify to Love and, and new songs, Arise, My Love. And we would do all these motions and steps.
steps and, and, and we would do a crucifixion skit and somebody would beat me up because I would play Jesus. And if they beat me up and hurt me, I didn't have to tell my parents because I was in charge of the drama team. And we would do all these skits and human videos and, and we traveled around. And God blessed it. I preached my first sermon at my church the first time I got to preach. And I was on fire. I was so passionate. I was so, oh my gosh. I was literally storming the gates of hell with a squirt gun. And I didn't care if I had water. I was in there and I, and I held up that old Methodist church bulletin in my hand. And I said, church, we're more worried about the schedule on this bulletin than we are about the Holy Spirit moving in this place. And I ripped that bulletin in half right in front of God and everybody in there. And I watched everybody over the age of 40 go, and the pastor faint, like in the second row. And I still today stand by every word I said in that message, but my methods were terrible. Passion, woo, I had passion nailed. I had passion coming out of every hole. I mean, it was coming out of my ears, it was coming everywhere. I was dumber than a sack of marbles, though. No wisdom, no maturity going in that. Going down the road doing the Unified Team was the name of our drama team. We actually did some, we called them, it was really bad names. We called it the Unified and Christ Revival. These were these big rallies we did right here at Hewitt Trustful High School. It was what is now the middle school. The first one we did, we literally brought in three flatbed trailers, raised money. For some odd reason, a 17-year-old kid would skip class, go to the counselor's office, and call businesses and trustful, and I talked them out of money. Come on, somebody. I literally got them to write us checks to do a free rally for all these high school students. And the only people that showed up to this rally were related to me because it was nine degrees that night. And I did an outdoor rally in November and it went down like nine. It was like me, my mom, my brothers, you know, a few other people. I think we had like two people come that didn't like know us, like literally like they didn't eat Thanksgiving dinner with us. And we do this crazy rally. So I'm like, all right. That was tough, but God blessed it, and we're going to do it again. So we did another one a year later. This time we were smart. We did it indoors, and we did it at the, uh, again, it's what was the old high school, the middle school. We did it in the auditorium. Same thing. Raise money. You know, ask for money. God blessed it. Just passionate. I, I'm, I'm convinced God blessed the passion, and somehow grown, smart businessmen gave me checks, which is super weird when you think about it now as an adult. And, and we do this rally, and that night there were tornado warnings everywhere. Um, we ended up taking everybody, literally got into our opening song and evacuated everybody to the tornado shelter, which by the way, if you are at the middle school, it is the gym, uh, in the boys locker room. So we've crammed everybody that was there into that. Well, here's the cool story about that. A couple years later, God blessed that passion. We did another one and we did it at my church that time. And I kid you not, we had to put a screen out in the parking lot and speakers out there because so many kids showed up that it was overflow room only. We could not get them in the sanctuary. It was shoulder to shoulder and God blessed that. And you had this passion. And as I'm thinking about these stories and I, and I heard this song, I, I kept, I kept just remembering that childlike passion, that childlike faith even. And we talk about it a lot biblically and, and let me just read these verses and come back to it. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, who then is the greatest in kingdom in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him, placed him uh, the child among them, and he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest of the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such as this child welcomes me. Mark 10, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. One more, Luke 18, verse 15. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and he said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them 
For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. And I thought of these verses. You know, we, we, we like to say, uh, as Christians, we talk about having a faith like a child or a childlike faith. And just to be clear, that is actually not in the Bible. It's derived from these chunks of scriptures right here is where we come up with that. And we, we kind of put our own spin on it and use those terms, which I'm fine with those terms. And I hear this song, Old Church Basement, and I'm listening to it, and I'm flashing back to my, my youth, and I'm flashing back to my salvation, and I'm flashing back to when I was a kid. And I'm thinking about the differences between the 40-year-old Bobby and the 17-year-old Bobby. And, and, and then these verses hit me when Jesus talking about entering like a child. And it struck me. But for some odd reason, as we mature and as we grow up, for some odd reason, we have like these gauges of passion. And we have these gauges of wisdom and maturity. But for some odd reason, we feel like as we mature and we grow in wisdom, that that passion has to drop. And we allow it to drop and fade. And we use cop-outs and excuses. And I'm going to be forward today, guys. But we use cop-outs and excuses like, well, those are childlike things. I'm growing up now. Those, those are things, those are things of my youth and I, and I've grown up past that. Those are immature things. We say that right now and I, I, and I'm mature. I'm an adult now. I'm mature. So, so let me just talk a little bit about the maturity of adults and kids. So can we talk about some characteristics of a kid? Number one, kids ask a lot of questions. A lot of questions. If you got kids, I've got a 12 year old sitting right there. She can ask more questions in 30 minutes than you can rattle off in 24 hours. I mean, it is, they ask a lot of questions and they're good at it. Some questions are good. Some of them are like, hey, are we driving dad? And I'm like, yeah, we're in the car, babe. Um, it happens. Go through it. Kids, children have reasons for what they believe. I love this. Let this resonate. Children's don't, children don't just believe blindly. You know, Maddie has faith in me and Jasek has faith in me because I am dad. And I've earned that now later in their life. Early on in their life, they believed in me because I was dad. And I'll give you a perfect example. I've got family members in my life whom I still love, but I don't have that respect before because they lost it. And they made decisions and life decisions and whatnot. And I have a reason for what I believe. And children have a reason for what they believe as well, too. They're not just blindly walking around like that. And we, we accuse them of that. But no, your mom, your dad, that's why they believe what you say when you say, do this, do that, don't do that, don't do this. And you can blow that and you can lose that. I'm a walking example of it. Children are always humble. How many arrogant two-year-olds you ever seen? Think about it. How many times you walk back there in the nursery with the toddlers and seen some kid walking around going, <laughs> I'm cooler than you. They're always humble. Little kids are always humble in that. They have a tenderness of conscience. They're open about their emotions and feelings. I love that. If you don't believe me, just ask one of them. They'll let you know. There's somebody throwing a fit right back now in the nursery right now because they ain't happy. And they're letting their emotions be known. We can learn a massive lesson about dealing with our emotions. Maybe not throwing a fit, but actually dealing with them and confronting them instead of holding them up and sticking them down deep. Kids are always open to that. Kids are incredibly creative and imaginative. I love listening to like a three or four year old talk and they're like, and then we rode on a rainbow and we caught a butterfly and the dragon came by and caught us and then Zeus picked us up and he took us over to here and then we colored the color purple and you're like, what world are you on? And their brain is just so imaginative and creative. Kids are always optimistic. You ever seen a pessimistic kid? Little one? Ever seen a negative two year old walk around? Well, woe is me. World's just coming to a crash. You know, stock market's not really good right now. No! You can literally, two-year-olds are just bouncing off the walls and having fun. You take their toy, they get mad, they find another toy. Guess what happens? They're happy again. It keeps going from there. They have eternal hope. Playfulness. They have a humor to them. Kids trust. Little kids trust. They easily forgive. They have an undying love. They have boundless energy. How many times have we talked about bottling up kids' energy and wanting to reuse it? They always think the best about life and other people, and they're always willing to learn and grow. 
I love that when you read about kids and those endearing qualities and what they have. And let me just contrast that really quick with adults. Just give me some leeway here. Adults, however, we get old and we grow up and we mature. We become adults, right? And, and, and I'm not taking away from life happening, okay? I'm not, I'm not taking away from that. We're going to address that several times today. But as adults, we get bored with flowers and bugs and sunsets. We lose delight in talking with others about absolutely nothing. We lose awe. We lose wonder. Don't, don't raise your hand. But when was the last time anybody in this room drove down the road and just looked around at God's beauty and thought, wow, how amazing is that? How incredible is that sunset? How cool is that ant bed out in the yard? And that those ants are, are, are like lining up and they're carrying twigs and they're walking with them. And maybe I could get like a, a flashlight or something and shining on them. When was the last time any of you guys caught a lightning bug? When was the last time that awe and wonder there? It's gone as adults and we lose that. We become, we become jaded and we become disinterested. Yeah, life happens. I'm not taking away from that. I've had a lot of bad stuff happen to me. But we, nowhere in Scripture, like Scripture actually promises, James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind. Because trials will develop perseverance in your life. But at no point in Scripture does it say when you face trials, change who you are. Change who God called you to be. Get jaded. Get cynical. Get upset. I caught myself the other day while preparing for this message, sitting in traffic going, about somebody going five miles an hour under the speed limit. And I'm grumpy as the day is long for nothing. Because I'm a cynical 40-year-old jerk sometimes. That the 17-year-old me would slap the taste out of his mouth. He would say, I'm proud of you because you've grown up and you've gotten mature. But I'm not proud of you because you've lost that passion. You're mad in traffic because that guy's going slow, but you forgot that's a child of God just like you are. And you're not looking at him with the same eyes anymore. You're looking at him through those 40-year-old mature eyes that you want to call it. And you're, and you're justifying it by calling yourself a realist. Come on, somebody. And you're, and you're justifying it by calling yourself, you know, you know, uh, in touch and mature. And you're coming through all that other stuff. And the reality is you're not seeing people as Jesus sees them anymore. You're seeing them through the jaded eyes of the world. As adults, we hold grudges. We harbor fears. We stay mad. Sometimes we stay mad for a reason. Justifiably. We can justify it. Sometimes we're just mad for pure old mad sake. As adults, we refuse to forgive a lot of times. We hold on to slights. We lose hope because hopes have been dashed and destroyed. I like this when Adults do a lot of things because they've just always done them that way. I love this quote. The seven most dangerous words in the English language are, I have always done it that way. Ask Jesus about always doing it that way. He made the Pharisees really mad when he did things different. But we do. We grow up and our justification becomes, well, I'm mature. I got a mortgage. I got a car payment. I got a job. I got a degree on the wall which says I am a man now. And we lose that. But here, let me tell you something, church. Jesus was the most childlike of them all. He was the wisest man that ever walked. He was the most mature man that ever walked. And he walked with awe. And he walked with wonder. And he was childlike. If you don't think Jesus was childlike, look at the kids coming to him. How many? Y'all have kids. I have kids. My kids are not going to a grumpy old man. They don't want to go hang out with him. But they do want to go sit in that goofy uncle that tells the weird stories that's bouncing them around and playing with them. They want to go to him all the time. They want to be around in that because they want that joy. They want that laughter. And that's who Jesus was. Jesus, when, even when he preached, we don't read the humor in the Bible. He's a funny guy. It's easier for a, it's harder for a rich person to get to heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. 
That's one we've read so many times we don't get the humor in it. That was funny. He would have got a good group laugh out of that one. But Jesus enjoyed that. He enjoyed being around people and he saw them in that. Jesus was childlike. He was full of wonder. He was full of the hope of humanity. James 3 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That was Jesus. Keep in mind what it said those things were. They were the fruits of the Spirit. And if we think of kids and what kids are like, man, do they not exhibit the fruits of the Spirit just naturally. Just in waking up, they exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. So I heard this song, and it took me back, and it took me back to my childhood. And I'm praying through this, and I'm listening to all that stuff, and I'm, and I'm being convicted. And then God gave me this verse of Scripture out of Revelation, and I want us to read this today. And I feel like this is a word for us at Gateway. This was definitely a word for Bobby Childs. And I feel like this is a word for us in the church in America and around the globe today. I want to read it. Revelation chapter 2. Verse 1, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These are the things, says he, who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Immediately, Jesus is declaring his authority and dominion in that statement is what he's doing. I hold the seven stars. I walk amongst the lampstands. He's saying, I'm, the, I'm in charge. This is my, my church. I know your works, verse 2, your labor, your patience, uh, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered, had patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Jesus says, I know you, church. He says, you got it together. You guys are doing the right things. You've got patience. You've got good sound doctrine. When people are doing evil, you let them know. And you hold them accountable, but you do it in love and you do it in grace. And when people are doing right and they want to come to the church, you're bringing them in. You're baptizing them. You're loving on them. You're greeting visitors. Jesus says, I see these things you're doing. Good job. I'm excited. Verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you. I don't want Jesus to ever say that to me. Verse 5, no, excuse me, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent, do the work, do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Jesus says, you got it together, church. You've got it together. You're doing the right thing. You're doctrinally sound. You are doing it. It looks great. But you have forgotten your first love. You have forgotten your first love, which is me. And he's saying, come back. Somebody say, come back. back. Say it like you mean it. Say, come back. We're going to do this a lot. You're going to get annoyed with it. Say, come back. Come on. Jesus says, come back. I need you to come back. And God, I I really think God actually let Michelle and I have a fight a couple of weeks ago for this. I work out of the house, and I I want to give this illustration. We'll break that part down. And I'm literally at the house every day, all day long. My office is right there in the house. Like, Like literally next door to the office is the laundry room. So I can keep up with the laundry. I can cook dinner. I'm there. She's out seeing patients, working hard, driving all over the state of Alabama, it feels like sometimes, to try to do her job. And I'm there. And I've got the laundry done. I got dinner cooked. Come on, husbands. I am like checking the boxes. I am strutting. I got all the, the beds made. I got the kids' homework done. I got the kids all done. Like there, when she walked in the door, the kids are standing by the door going, hi, mommy. I mean, ha. I mean, I've got it all, every box just done. You know, going from that. And, and she's frustrated. And I'm like, what is happening? And why are you frustrated? I, you know, all this stuff is done. Like, like I even cooked dinner and it's a dinner you like. It's not a dinner I like. It's one you like. And I've done all this other stuff. And then, and then she said it. She said, you know, for the past three or four nights, you've fallen asleep. You hadn't given me a kiss. You hadn't told me you loved me. 
you hadn't held my hand in I don't know how many days. It's great and wonderful you got all the boxes checked, but you forgot your first love. Holy cow. And that's what Jesus is saying to the church. He's saying, you got the bed made. You got the laundry done. You look good, church. You got all the boxes checked. You got the church selfie on the way. You got the kids ready to go to church. Y'all got it in the car. Y'all leaned in. Y'all got it on Instagram. We're going to church. You tagged Gateway when you got there. You worshiped. You put your hands in the air. You danced a little bit. Got a little uncomfortable. But Jesus is saying that's great and wonderful. But you lost the passion. He says, come back. Somebody say, come back. Come back is what he's saying. Come back to your first love. He's saying, I want you to hold my hand. I want you to spend time with me. I want that passion of old to well back up in you. I want that 17-year-old kid to come back who was ready to storm the gates of hell with a squirt gun. I want that passionate kid who went to committee meetings for absolutely no reason I should be on those and stood up in front of a bunch of grown men and women and said, why are we fighting so much? I just spilled, spilled water everywhere. That was bad. Why are we fighting so much that had the passion to do that? That had the exuberance to do it? That I didn't care what they thought. I wasn't worried about the standing. I wasn't invited back to a committee meeting either. And that kid could learn some wisdom and could learn some maturity. But Jesus is saying, bring back the passion. And I think that's a word for us today, church. I think that's a word for us here at Gateway. Like, what are we doing? Are we checking boxes? Does coming to church, and I think this is one that convicted me, are we here so we can feel good about ourselves? Are we here so we can lift Jesus up? Is church about you or about him? Why, why are we here is what Jesus is saying. Are you here so you're starting your week out? Good, great, wonderful, awesome. But is it about you or about him? Because if it's about him, then this is a starting point for what you're going to do in the morning. And what you're going to do from there. And I feel like God gave us three things from this scripture we can do. And I'll go through these quickly because I'm pushing time. Three things from this scripture that we can do that we can come back. Somebody say come back again. Come on church, wake up. We got to get fired up. Somebody say come back. Let's get fired up this morning. Number one, we got to remember. You've got to remember. You've got to remember your first love. Do me a favor right now. Just shut your eyes for two seconds. We'll open it back up. I want you to think back to that moment when you came up out of that tank and you got baptized. That moment of sitting in that youth room maybe and you gave your life to Christ. Maybe it was two weeks ago sitting right here and Pastor Gabriel shared a message and you raised your hand and said, yes. I want to think back to that joy. Think back to that moment. Open your eyes back up. I want you to remember that salvation. Remember that joy. I want you to think back to that passion that you had as a child. Think back to that wonder that you had. Remember those times. I coached Jasek in Little League Baseball from the age of three to, till he went to park ball, to school ball for, to 12. And during that time, I got on the board and, and cause I was a glutton for punishment. Um, and not only coach, but I had to like referee this. Here's the part that absolutely killed me. If you want to see the difference between adults and kids right here and where we need to remember, I refed more fights from three and four year old t-ball and five and six year old baseball than I did anywhere else. These kids didn't even know what the score was most of the time. Let alone half of them didn't even know they were playing baseball. You come out there on the t-ball field, and little Johnny's running around like this, like he's Superman, running the bases backwards, and the dads are in the, in the outfield having a fight because little Johnny slighted his kid at second base. Remember your childhood. These kids are showing the perfect example of what remember is. They're playing baseball, going backwards, having more fun chasing the butterfly in right field than they could care less about what's going on in that game because they're enjoying God's creation. They're enjoying being outside. Remember, church. Remember your youth. Remember the passion. Remember the things that you have allowed to slip and have fade. 
Look your 16, 17-year-old self in the face and wonder what that guy would say to you. Remember, number two, you've got to repent. Psalm 139, verse 23, it's one of my favorites. Search me, O God, and know my hearts. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Sometimes we got, repent literally means to change directions. So if I'm going to repent of going this way, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to go this way now. That's what it means. And I think sometimes we've got to come to a reality with ourselves. We've got to get honest. We've got to look in the mirror. We've got to be able to say, okay, you know what? I've grown up. Life has happened. I've been hurt. Everybody in here has been hurt. We've got problems. We've got things that went wrong. Finances that got upside down. Kids that acted up. People that got in our way. Marriages that went south. Affairs. Drug use. Whatever else. People have been hurt. We've all been hurt. But at some point in time, we've got to be able to look in the mirror and go, am I letting the hurt control me or am I controlling the hurt? Am I letting the hurt dictate who I am or am I letting Christ dictate who I am? Am I going to take my pain and let it hold me down? Or am I going to let God have my pain and he can use it for his glory? Which one am I going to be? Because right now, I can't sit in a line at Chick-fil-A without getting all grumpy and stomping my feet and taking it out of my wife and kids because I've been hurt in the past and I'm impatient and I've gone into some 40-year-old jerk half the time that that 17-year-old would want to slap. What am I going to do? Or am I going to get in the mirror and get real? And say, no, no more of that. I want to see people as God. I want the kid back that did this. This is the first... I'm going to get emotional. This is my first Bible I got when I got saved. This is, kids, this is back before you had a phone or an iPad. And I toted this thing to every class in high school. This three-inch thick whatever Bible, I toted it right on top of my math book. I missed a lot of history lectures because I was sitting down. But I could tell you whatever you want to know about Ephesians. And I powered through this. And I read it so much, that, and I highlighted so much, that I'm the only one that can translate this one. It's got all of my writing in it. And it's got all my highlighting in it. I want that kid back. I want that passion back, that you're going to wear that Bible out so much that the lid don't even stay on anymore, that we are going to dig into the word, that we're going to spend time with God. I don't want to get rid of all the mess. I don't want to care if the bed's made up anymore. I want to care if she knows that I love her. I want to repent and repent is an action we've got to do every day and we've got to walk away from who we are when we're standing there and we're all upset and when we're hurt and we're mad and we're fighting. We've got to have the maturity to say, God, I give you this moment. I don't want to be a realist. I want to be about Jesus. I want to see these people as you do. Because that guy may be a moron, but he's God's moron. And I want to love him just as such. I think this is pretty powerful. Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit, 5 verse 23, or 22 and 23. Think about the characteristics of the kid when I read these. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no such law. It's the embodiment of a child. They love, they're patient, they're kind. But yet, what do we tell kids that are on fire for Jesus a lot? Can't save the whole world, son. Calm down. No, we need to take a lesson from that kid. Lastly, I'm running out of time. We got to repeat. If we want to come back, somebody say come back. Like you mean it. There we go. If you want to come back, you've got to repeat. We tell a lot of gym stories around here. Uh, we make it's it's, it's no no uh, stranger to anybody that Pastor Gabriel and I are at the same gym. We work out a lot. We talk about it a lot. We talk about it probably more. It's like the opening rule of CrossFit is you got to talk about CrossFit. Um, and we talk about it way too much, but this story works well. I 
grew up an athlete, played football, wrestled, was in great shape, did not do anything for a long time, got way out of shape, and went back to the gym several times, and I would start over. But when I would start over, I would keep trying to do the same things like that 17 and 18-year-old kid. So I would go to the gym, and I would grab a, just a ton of weight, and I'd put it on the bar, and I'd work out for two weeks, and then I'd go have shoulder surgery. And then I'd get over that surgery, and then I'd go to the gym, and I'd put on a ton of weight, and I'd, and I'd work out really heavy, and then I'd go get my knee fixed again. Uh, and, and I did this, you know, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And that was exactly what I was doing. And I think we can learn a major lesson from starting over. But just because we start over doesn't mean we have to take the same path. When I found the gym, I came back to the gym and said, I got to do something different. I need something I can sustain. So I came back and I started over from scratch. The first workout I ever did, I think I actually met Jesus briefly during that workout. Like I was dying. Like it was painful. I didn't know. It was, it was awful. It hurt a lot. But you know what? I went a different path. Instead of doing it the same way and keep going, I used lighter weight and went slower and did things different and I learned something. And now two years in, I can sustain doing it and do more and and, and in better shape than I've ever been. Because I, I started over, I repeated the things of old, but I went a different way. And if we want to come back, if we want to remember our first love, then we've got to repeat the things of old. That doesn't mean do the same thing, but that means come back. Come back to that passion of the childhood. Be thankful for the maturity that you have as a grown man or woman. Be thankful for the wisdom that you've gotten as you've learned and you've read. But come back to the passion. Come back to the fire. Turn back to God. Be more worried about spending time in the scripture than we are about catching up on Instagram. Be more worried about being in the word of God. I want that kid back that wants to highlight to the degree nobody else can read my Bible. I want that passion. Come back. Yeah, we can do it different, but come back. Malachi chapter 3 says, From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside my statutes and you have not kept them. Here's the promise from God. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. We've got to remember. We've got to uh, repent. And we've got to repeat. I think it's a powerful word. and And I look and I watch the news. And I see what's going on in our world. And I see what's going on just in churches in general. And our world's in a pretty bad place right now. And you see a lot of great things going on in churches. But this was a word that I needed for me and my heart. I needed to come back. God says, I'm glad you've grown up, Bobby. You were really, really immature in a lot of ways. But man, you love me. Man, you love me so much. I tell my son a lot, um, if you got a teenage boy, sometimes kids have a tough time with drive. <laughs> and, and one of the statements I've used a lot with Jason is, you know, I can always put a bit in your mouth. It's a whole lot easier to pull the reins back and put a bit in your mouth if you're going than it is like to put a foot in your rear to try to get you going. And that passionate kid was always going. God may have to rein me in and pull me back and give me some direction. But I'm convinced he's like a, he's, he's a good father. He'd rather give me direction and rein in the kid with energy than he would try to get me off the couch. I want to close with this, Malachi chapter 1. This is not a very church-used verse. I don't hear this a lot. And, 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 I, and for reason, because this is one of the most cutting verses in the Bible to me. Um, I've had this written down for a long time. Uh, and I don't like reading it because it, it really convicts my heart. Malachi verse 1. Or excuse me, chapter 1, verse 10. Oh... That one of you would just shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. 
and I will accept no offering from your hands. What was happening is the Israelites were literally, they were supposed to bring an offering, and, and we know this, they were supposed to bring their best, you know, the best of their sheep, the best of the best of their flock, the prettiest one, the cleanest one, the best, they were supposed to bring that. And what they had started doing were they were bringing like three-legged lambs, and ones with like four eyes, and you know, one that was crippled and one they couldn't use. They were bringing all the broke down stuff. They were bringing the leftovers. They were checking the box. They were just like the church in Ephesus. They were doing what they were told to do, but they had lost the reason why. Yeah, hey God, I brought a sacrifice. That's what you told me to do. Box checked. And God's saying, no, 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 no. I want your best. I want your passion. I want your whole heart. I want everything church that you've got. I want you to come back. To the degree he says so strongly in Malachi, just shut the doors of the temple. Hear this church, this verse is hard. He's saying, I'd just rather you shut the door of the temple if you're just checking a box. If you're just bringing me half an offering so you can say you did it. If you're bringing me just partial of your worship so you can say you did it. If you're here so that you can feel good about the rest of your week but not here to worship me, just shut the doors. Stay home. You can do all of that sitting on the couch. And I believe that's a word for us today, Gateway. God's challenging us. What are we doing with our lives? What are we doing going forward? Are we here on Sunday mornings just to check the box? Are we doing Wednesday nights because it makes us feel good? Are we in love? Are we in passionate love with Jesus? Come back, he's saying. Come back. You've got the stuff. You've got the maturity. Stand up with me, church. Come on. But you've got all those boxes. You're doing the right things. You have the knowledge. You know the the things. You've got the wisdom. And now he's saying, come back. Love me. Love me like you did when you got saved. Remember, like that song says, the joy of my salvation. Let it come back to me. So as you stand there this morning, I just want you to bow your head. And I want to take a moment of just silence. And I challenge you to pray that prayer. Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. What is Jesus saying to you this morning? And as you're right there, I pray that the phrase come back is ingrained in your heart. That when you wake up this mo- in the morning, you hear Jesus saying, come back, and you want to shout it back to him. When you go to work on Tuesday, you hear Jesus saying, come back, and you want to come back to him. What is God doing in your heart right now? He's screaming at you, church, come back. Love me. Be passionate about me. I'd rather you be passionate and bring me all you got than just get the boxes right. And this morning, maybe you're like, going, man, Bobby, I don't even remember the salvation. I've never even had that moment. I've never asked Christ into my heart. I've never had that moment. If that's you, and today you want that moment, you want that freedom, you want that joy, you want the Holy Spirit to fill your heart and to guide you and to lead you, and you want that freedom of Christ, I just ask, raise your hand so we can pray for you. And if you're there this morning and you're ready to come back, Quit doing the same old, same old. And to go back. To get a little childlike again. To get a little carefree.
to maybe dance a little once in a while. To look around and see the wonder of the world. You're ready to get a little crazier than you've ever been. Because who cares? I love Jesus. It's time to get passionate. And if that's you, church, I want you to, I want you to put both hands in the air and I want to pray over you. God, I just pray right now over our congregation. I pray over each and every person here. God, I hear your word saying, come back. Come back, church. Come back. And God, we're coming running this morning. God, I surrender my heart to you this morning. God, I pray as a congregation we're surrendering right now. That we're letting go of the jadedness, all the cynicism, all the things that have, that have hurt us and hit us. God, we surrender those to you and say, God, use them. They are yours. We want to come back. God, I want the passion of that 16-year-old kid. God, I pray that our hearts are on blaze for you, God. That we, we want your word. We crave your word. We crave time with you and your spirit. We come back. Holy Spirit, fill us and move us so much, Lord. Oh God, I worship you and I thank you for this morning. And I thank you for your strong word to us this morning. Come back, church. In Jesus' name. Amen.